and Matt Show, the disc golf podcast you've been looking for. What's up, everybody? It is the Nick and Matt Show. Obviously, you can see on screen if you're watching live, I'm Matt, and Nick is in uh, Virginia, not in the studio yet. How's it going, Nick? Nope. It's going very well. We we had an ice storm today, so that kind of sucked. Everything is super slushy, super icy. They actually had tow trucks out there today. And uh, on that, it's it's going very well down here. We've had a couple nice days, but I'm excited to leave for Vegas on Sunday. So you're you're a New Englander, and so am I. Tell me, like, yep. is is it actually uh, that bad? Like the ice storm? Like ice is bad usually. I mean, yeah, it's ice. Ice sucks. Um, <laughs> it was super. Yeah, it was super slushy. Um, other than that, though, I mean, it wasn't really. It wasn't like we got six to twelve inches of snow. It was just like an inch or two throughout the night that froze. And so I stayed at the house pretty much until three or four this afternoon. And then I went out and did some stuff. So everything by then was already plowed and all that jazz. <laughs> well, uh, hopefully the Virginia people down there, you know, stay safe. And man, half the country right now, like millions yeah. out in Texas. I have I work in the utility industry and um, we have people driving down to Louisiana and Texas and everywhere to help restore power. Crazy stuff going on. We, yeah, we got up exactly. here in New England, Massachusetts. We got, I think, six inches overnight t- coming tonight. So like it's still oh. snowing up here, too. Well, I'm glad I left. <laughs> <laughs> Made me laugh seeing Jonathan Gomez on uh, you, uh, not on YouTube, on Facebook, being like, "How how do people live in this? How how do they do it?" Yeah. <laughs> it's it's not fun unless you're a skier, snowboarder. You really like winter activities. It's not that great. <laughs> so let's jump. I don't care for. Let's it. jump jump right into the first topic. By the way, it's not a tease that the YouTube and the Facebook and and our podcast says major announcement that is coming. Um, mm-hmm. later, I think you're gonna have to stick around. Um, I think that's the way you do it, right? You have an announcement, you kind of make people wait on it and speculate. Um, so, but let's just jump right into the first topic, uh, which is going to be the growth of disc golf. Nick, have you signed up for any tournaments besides like a pro tour? Yep. Yeah. I've actually signed up for a few down here in Virginia. Super excited for that aren't pro tours, which is nice. Um, how fast did they fill? Uh, one of them just recently, it's the Lake Marshall Open happening in uh, Northern Virginia. And I'm pretty sure that one filled within like the first five or 10 minutes. I, I think I'm not 100% sure, but uh, I've been hearing some crazy stories about the tournaments up there in Massachusetts. Yeah. I mean, let me just give you two scenarios. One is a B tier. That's uh, like a obviously B tiers are kind of local, you know. They draw maybe from the New England area, but but in general, that's what it is. It's called Welcome to the Jungle. It plays on a very wooded course. Shout out to Bob Kolchuk here um, up in New England, one of the guys that runs the large club for New England. His event filled out in, I think, less than two minutes uh, for an AM side, which was 90 participants, and then the wait list within literally minutes, the wait list was up to like 80 so he had 170 yeah. people at a B tier try to register within four minutes. That is insane. Like yeah. in all of my 14 years of disc golf, like I have not heard that. Now, Vibram, or I see here, I go back to Vibram. <laughs> Nick, you, you, were, you were Vibram part of it when it was the Vibram open, right? Yeah, yeah, the Vibram, yeah. <clears throat> it's just part of being up here. You'll call it that forever. But the MVP open, the AM side, open registration for their event this week. And it has never immediately filled like i mean it was probably like a day or two days or like it never immediately filled 
Yeah. I think the year that I won it, I signed up like three months late <laughs> exactly. and there were still spots open. I think. Exactly. Oh, let me go back to that. Welcome to the jungle really quick. There was a pro side, the pro, the pro event the next day filled up in the same amount of time with like 50 waitlisted. So you're talking yeah. like 300 and whatever, like whatever that number is, that's yeah, 340 or whatever signed up within minutes for a B tier that it, it speaks obviously to the way the events run. No, no doubt. Mm -hmm. But there's also something else going on here because I want to go back to MVP am side. It filled up within two minutes and like 50 people on the wait list, like immediately and an increasing and growing wait list. Steve Dodge opens up another like 30 or 40 spots out of like the goodness of his heart to be like, we'll just cram more people in tea times, which some people don't like because they're like, now it's going to be tighter. But he's like, there's nothing else he can do. And I reached out to him and I'm like, uh, I've played this event every year. I've never missed the cut and I would love to play it. And he's like, hey, he responded yeah. to me. I wish I let people play or register this year that had played previous years. Like he wished he did, and he, but he said there was no way to anticipate this. So all of that being said, you just posted an article. Have you seen that article or have you you've uh, heard did, about it? I did briefly, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> did anything stand out to you about that at all? Just the insane amount of rounds that people play <laughs> with disc golf and now it's, it's actually insane, which is, it's funny because I feel like 2020, I played pretty close to the least amount of disc golf I've ever played one because of the pandemic and two because of work really picking up towards the uh, middle of the year and towards the end of the year as well. And so normally summer times I'd go to work, go home, play disc golf. And then this year it was not, or excuse me, last year, it wasn't like that at all. So it's kind of funny to see that the reports are showing that 50 million rounds were played in the year of 2020, which averages out to being a hundred rounds started every minute. Which is pretty insane. And I think what's even cooler about that is that's only counting U-Disc rounds. I I don't keep track of my rounds very often unless I'm with a group of people and we're doing like a money round or something like that. Can I add a stat so to that? I think you just said they – this is all statistician stuff. Like so I, I'm yeah. not a statistician. I like stats, but like that's not you what like I do. Stats, yeah. I'm pretty sure they said they only are – they're only uh, – record keeping for like two out of like every five rounds or one out of every five it's it's a low number of rounds that they're even recognizing so there's more obviously being played than is tracked on udisc so yeah. they are trying to anticipate that nick and build that in so yeah 50 okay. million rounds played in 2020 a hundred rounds started every minute as you said and here's one that kind of blew me away and kind of puts this topic into perspective they took last year's rounds from UDISC in January of 2020. This is pre-pandemic, okay? So mm -hmm. people were not, there was nothing, you know, related to one, uh, a need to get outside as much <laughs> where people are doing that when the pandemic happened. Um, but there was also not the fear of going outside either. So it's just yeah. a pretty regular January. Yeah. The percentage growth, and I know you have the notes here, but would you have mm -hmm. expected that in 2021 January, they would have seen a 250% round increase over last January, 250%. I mean, the numbers here are telling us that two things, we've got a problem on our hands because we don't have that many tournaments. Yeah. <laughs> but also we've got, I mean, it's a good problem. Disc golf yeah. is exploding. Mm -hmm. Nick, like, 
you have any ideas for how we can fill the need? Because right now, the supply and demand is way off. A tournament is filling and maxing out a wait list two times as much. Yeah. Like, what's your ideas? Yeah. So uh, kind of one of the things that the MVP Open Am side used to do, I don't know if they still do it, but if you played the year before and you made the cut, you had early registration up until a certain date. And then after that date, anyone else could sign up. Um, so I don't know if they're still doing that, but I think that's one way to do it. If you made cash or, you know, you because that tournament does cuts. But let's say for a pro tournament, if you made cash the year prior, you should have an early entry fee. And then I think for eight tiers and above, there should be uh, a ratings kind of like you have to be certain rated uh, to sign up between this date, thousand rated and above, get early entry fee, uh, excuse me, early entries. And then let's say 985 and above. But then I think one of the biggest things that we could do is run more tournaments. And I know that's a lot easier said than done. But I think one way to help make that happen is to actually pay tournament directors, um, even for small C, B, A tiers, stuff like that. I think for how much time, like I know Bob, Bob Kolchuk is putting a massive amount of added cash. Like I think last year's winner made over a thousand bucks to win a B tier. It was like maybe something like that. And um, so I think for tournament directors who are really putting in all the time and effort to actually make their tournament big and to have a tournament fill up within two minutes, um, he's obviously doing something right. So I think if you're figuring out a way to pay tournament directors, I think more people are going to actually want to go out and make tournaments better and actually run tournaments. Yeah, I don't have an answer. I think what you said is decent. I think it seems intriguing to me, the idea of having high stakes tournaments for locals. <laughs> like, honestly, make a tournament that is an amazing experience. And only the people, and I, I'm. it's going to sound like I'm being exclusive, but that's okay. They, we can make more tournaments too, but like create yeah. the opportunity for those who really, really want to play Let's yeah. create an entry fee that's just like it's the entry fees, I think, are start going to start going up, especially yep. for the quality, yep. the quality of an event that's run. I'm not yes. saying do that for all of them. I'm saying grow it, have a lot more tournaments. But now the need yeah. is there for so many more tournament types. But yeah, how does I somebody how does somebody like me, Nick, besides sitting at my computer desk, get into a tournament like and honestly missing it by two minutes like. Was that good for the sport? Is it? I think I see that's kind of like a lopsided question in a sense. <laughs> uh, I don't think it's good for the sport in the sense of it's now harder for people who want to make this uh, a profession of theirs. It makes it harder for them to sign up for tournaments. And then I also think that it's catering in a sense too much to the amateur style uh i'm talking kind of like a tiers and above now i'm not talking your local b tiers and c tiers i think those will always if they're a well-ran tournament i think those will always fill up quickly and it's kind of tough to make that process easier but certain tournaments i think what you said was perfect is raising the entry fee and i think sully our buddy sully had said that as well to where you know if you raise the entry fee and you raise the quality of the tournament you know quality is better than quantity so I think that, like, I'd rather, I'd love to pay 150 bucks for an ATM or don't, even a don't a Don't give me a soundbite. Don't give me a soundbite that you'd love to pay $150 hey, for a tournament because you know I'll do I it. Think, 
I think I had paid a hundred bucks at a tournament <laughs> last year. I had gotten third place at an A tier or something like that, and I made five hundred at the tournament. Yeah. So I mean, if MVP Amside, MVP Amside was one hundred and twenty-five. Um, yeah. But let me give a quick shout out, real quick, and we're about to move off this because we could beat this horse dead real easy, yeah, and we have right. a cool guest waiting in our green room, Jeff Corns. But where I want, what I wanted to say here is. First of all, shout out. There was a solution that came up here in the Northeast from that tournament director I mentioned, Bob Kolchuk. Um, in fact, if you want to know who he is, not right now, but go check out Simon's vlog channel. And at one of his most recent videos, he was out there playing with Bob Kolchuk. Um, he had 90 people on a wait list. So guess what he did? Let's go to the course that's, you know, 10 minutes down the road and let's open up another tournament. Get everybody on the wait list. They're already in. You get to play this other tournament that's right down the road. Um, and if spaces open up in the event you wanted to register for, you can still choose that. So now you're, you're like in a tournament wait list, which is cool. So you're going to play yeah. a tournament that weekend regardless, but like if yep. people drop out of the other one, you can choose, do I want it? So shout out major kudos to him. I think yeah. it would be and very I cool tea times or multiple courses. So that way we can expand the size of the events because right now you're yep. limited if you're on one course, you're just super limited. So expand the tee times and multiple courses. I know it's not that easy. I've TD'd before. Yeah. What are you going to say? And I think, yeah, I was going to say, uh, I think we gave us a shout out to Alex Sakash. Uh, he's a Prodigy sponsored guy in our area, um, actually back up in Massachusetts. But I think he is the one TDing the event at the other course. So I know him and Bob have been in conversation with each other and in conversation with the town to make it happen. So shout out to those two for actually making it like a really cool solution to everyone on the wait list. Yeah. And so for what it's worth, I made it in to the welcome to the jungle beats here. I made it into that one somehow. Nice. No, I know how. And this is, oh, I should bring this up before we move off of it. I've noticed other tournaments now and, and I don't have a strong opinion on this right now, opening up tournaments early. So women can get in as many women mm -hmm. as want to. So that did one thing. It grew the women's side. Shout out to this tournament. I'm just going to keep highlighting it. I think there's yeah. like 20. He did a lot of things right. I so. think there's 25 FPO players, 25 at a B tier, a regional B tier. That is insane. Again, unheard of numbers in my opinion. Um, but what that did is it obviously, I don't want to say took away because that's, that's what guys are always doing to the girls divisions. I don't want to say take away. I want to say that obviously made less spots for the men registering. So my point is, as the women's side grows, which everybody is trying to do, and we've all agreed for so long, let's grow, let's push it, let's push it, let's push it, respect our game, all of this stuff. When that side of the sport grows, and I've said this for a long time, that should be the purpose, is to grow it to a place where it can be standalone. So now there should be FPO tournaments. And I'm not saying they're yeah. the problem. Do not hear me saying that. They are not the problem. There should be standalone um, MPO, which again is not men, it's mixed. Mm -hmm. I think we're going to get to that place, and that could be one of our answers as well, running actual separate events. All right. Yeah. That's my hot take, Nick. <laughs> I don't know. We no, I, I like that. I've, I've always thought, I mean, the, uh, there's the PGA Tour, and then there's the LG, uh, excuse me, LPGA. Um, the ladies have a completely separate tour in regular golf, so I, I can't wait for disc golf to go to that, not only in the sense of, like, do I want the – mix the MPO weekends to be free for themselves. No, I just want to see FPO divisions grow and women's disc golf in general. I want to see that explode throughout the whole country. So I think New England's finally putting themselves on the map of being able to do that. And like you said, it's 25 FPO players. 
at a local B tier. So I think that's it's, pretty incredible. Yeah. So I'm excited for the growth of disc golf, but it's something that we're going to dive into more here at the Nick and Matt show. We will dive mm -hmm. into it more as more information comes along. We would like to bring it to you because it is something that is worth considering. Go out there, talk with your friends about it. Uh, let's figure yep. out a way to continue this growth rapidly as it is. Okay, Nick, yeah. I should say it this way, right? I always say without further ado, um, we yeah, have pretty much. Yeah, we've got Jeff Corns in our green room. Let's go ahead and just uh, let me see here. Do, do, do. Let's pull him in. Jeff Corns. How are you doing, my man? Good. How are you guys doing? Good. So you've hung out with Nick before is. Yes, many times. OK, and you see him on the show. Is he the same guy on the show as he is hanging out without camera on him? Yeah, I would say so. We have a lot. I mean, with Thank me, you. Nick and Paul and like Brody and like all these people, we have these disc golf debates where we just talk for hours about stuff. They don't and stop. Nick's bringing the same <laughs> the same hot takes and same content to the Nick and Matt show. So it's it's definitely the same Nick. I try to most of the time. Most of my hot takes come from previous conversations that I've had with a lot of my good buddies. And uh, it's funny because we just had Brody here in Virginia and that dude just loves talking disc golf, which is great because I love talking disc golf. And my girlfriend gets sick of me talking disc golf. So when I had Brody to lean on and just constantly talk to him about it, it was fun. But yeah, we do have a lot of hot takes. <laughs> so um, we're excited to have you on. Uh, people are already in our live chat here commenting two things. One is, have we made our major announcement yet? And no, the answer no. is no. Number two is, wow, check out the disc. They call it your wallpaper. <laughs> so yeah, I've got uh, this is my office that we do all of like. So I guess we'll talk about this, too. Like, who am I? Um, cause I think Nick brought it up. There's, you guys saw a Reddit thread. That's who is Jeff Corns. <laughs> yeah. Did um, you ever see that Reddit thread? It's true. So I was literally playing a tournament and my girlfriend texted me and she's like, I was just looking through Reddit and I found this thread about you <laughs> and I just started dying. And, um, one of the guys I was playing with, who's uh, like a, now a team discraft member, uh, with me, he was like, do like do people like know you out on the road like do random people know you i'm like yeah random people know me that like i don't expect to know me but then there's like tons of people who have no idea who i am but yeah. they've seen me before <laughs> so in that reddit thread just to put it out there for anyone who's not going to go google that or uh here's the deal someone's like who's this jeff corns guy i see him in the background of so many like pro tour like videos and pictures and like legitimately someone's like is he like someone's like bodyguard? Like, is he like Eagles or whoever? Like at that point, like he just couldn't. They, yeah. So they were curious who you are. You're just kind of in the background. I love it. That's it, we should have never had you on and introduced you. You could just be that guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I, yeah. This is the guy. It's like this is the guy. He's just he's there in all the Jumas Pro videos next to Eagle or Paul or whoever. <laughs> There's so this is funny. This meme page on Instagram made a meme of me. Um, and it's from the, like Paul's birthday weekend, Nick, where we all were paintballing and we like yep. took a photo, like with me and Paul next to each other. And I'm wearing like a discraft shirt. We've got our paintball guns. We're all trying to look manly paintballing. And, uh, someone memed it and they said like, I don't know who this guy is, but it's Paul's McBodyguard. <laughs> <laughs> so you're That's that guy. And I was just like, I just. <laughs> Yeah, and like people are like tagging me, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, like who, like who found this and like decided to roast me today? Like, what did I do? <laughs> exactly. Hey, um, I think I think it's a, yeah, it's it's a compliment. So, tell us a little bit. So it's funny, like you're that means you're around. So, how did you get involved with being on the tour life and like meeting these pros who you hang out with and all that? Like, how did you get involved in that? So. 
the first like time I really got connected with people like on the tour and stuff was I think I was I might have been 17 or 18 and they did like the distance competition down in the deserts the one that like David set the world record at at like the untouchable 1100 feet um and down there I met Simon and Eric Oakley and I was like a real big Discmania fan like was throwing a bunch of their plastic and Eric was like dude, like if you're like out promoting and stuff, like there's an opportunity for you to like, you know, work for a disc golf company or get sponsored by a disc golf company um, just from being like an active promoter or, you know, so I just decided that I was like, this sounds like something fun that I could do. And it just became like my passion to do it. Um, so, so that's so, how I got kind of connected to people. And then I'll, I'll keep going with, yeah. I met or I, I'd met Paul before but I started like really chatting with Paul about like being on tour full time and what that means. And it was the wintertime open like the next year, like this was in March. I met like Eric and Simon. And then in like February that next year, Paul was like, dude, you should go on the road. Like you should go on tour. Like you're doing all this cool stuff with Discmania. Like you should just ask UC for a job. Yeah. And then you should buy my RV and you should go on tour. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> that sounds like a big like thing. Like, are you like, well, like, really? Like, you think that would work? And he's like, I don't know. The worst you could do is just ask UC for a job. And he says no. <laughs> yeah. So I literally like went home, like called my mom, like told her I really wanted to do this. And she like helped me like proofread an email like to UC. And I like forwarded it or like I sent it by like the director of operations at Discmania, who was like a good friend of mine at the time. And I'm like, like, what do you think? Do you think he's going to do it? And he's like, I mean, I think it'd be cool. I don't see why he wouldn't. So I sent it over and UC was like, I like this. Like, let's put you on the road. I felt so like you were just about to do it. I thought you were just about to do the UC accent. I like this. Or <laughs> Oh, I, me and Eagle like can go back and forth doing like the UC impression for like hours. Okay, I love it when people do the UC impression. Can we get you to get, do any of them? You've worked with UC quite a bit. Like, give us one of them. Maybe the Nick and Matt show or something. <laughs> I have like I have one, and I'll keep it like it's my favorite UC like impression slash quote. But I'll like I'll keep it the PG version of it. Um, it was the first time UC ever saw like. For those of you who don't know, I drive like a fifth wheel uh, travel trailer. It's like 40 feet. It's huge. Mm -hmm. um, and the first time UC saw it all wrapped up with logos, he just like is admiring it and looking at it. And he just says, I think you've got the biggest something on tour. <laughs> and I just like I'm sitting there. I'm like, I got you, boss. Like, we're going to be out there repping. <laughs> he was stoked about it. He was the first time he got to see the RV. And, you know, the, the Discmania logo is like 25 feet wide on the side of the trailer. And he was <laughs> loving it. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that, that truck and RV is massive. So when you see that, you, you can't miss it. When people would go to tournaments, everyone knew whose it was. But now, yeah, the so, year 20, well, when did it start? In 2020, correct? Uh, what do you mean? Like, so I like got when the you RV. Over. I, yeah, so I made the switch to Discraft in 2020. Um, I just, you know, working with Paul and talking to Paul and, you know, getting a good business sense of him with disc golf. Like, for people who don't know, and I'll say this about Paul, he has one of the best business senses of people that I know. And especially when it comes to disc golf, like, he's very in touch with what's going on and where he thinks the sport's going. So if there's something that Paul says, I try to listen. Yep. So can I ask yep. as a follow-up to that, you talked yeah. about him having a good business sense and this is me not knowing you very well. Do you have a good business sense too? And that's why you kind of liked hanging out with Paul. I feel like I do. Uh, when I went to college, I wanted to be a business major. That was like, I went to the university of Oregon to do sports business and 
after a couple of years of disc golf and then like finding this passion for touring, I decided to drop out and pursue this now because the opportunity was in front of me. And mm -hmm. it's for, you know, for a lot of guys who are hopping on tour, they'll tell you when you have an opportunity to get on the road and do that, like you have to do it. There's no, you don't want to wait for four years or something like that to yeah. come back to that. So yeah, I just jumped on it and I feel like with what I've been able to do and some of like the mentoring I've gotten from Paul, it's really helped me along the way and just put me in a great spot to succeed. Mm -hmm. Man, how, how did Paul do this with his life? Like it is awesome. Like I listened and shout out to it's Brian. Nuts. Yeah. Shout yeah. out to Brian Earhart. Like I've listened now to both uh, segments of his Paul Macbeth interview. It's excellent. Go go give him. You don't need to hear me say it, guys. You're probably already over there checking out what Brian's doing, but go check that out. And then I remember one time playing around with Paul at Maple Hill, and I think Nick was there too. And he was on the phone with you, and I'm like, "Come on, Jeff. He's 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 in the middle of it." <laughs> but you know, if you know Paul, he's yeah. always on yeah. the phone during a round. So, um, Nick, what else do we not know about Jeff that you think we should know? Jeff, um, I know you could probably tell with all the discs behind him, but Jeff might also be the CEO of a disc golf company. Can you enlighten us, Jeff? Whoa. Yes. So I own, so it kind of became like my COVID project because normally being the tour manager for a company uh, with Discraft, I was out vending on the road, helping run events, and then just getting our players around to events. Um Tour got canceled in March for me, and most of the Disc Golf Pro Tour events for the rest of the year were phase one events where no spectators were allowed. So that basically meant no opportunities to do vending. Mm -hmm. So I got home. I had a ton of discs, and Bob was like, yeah, you should figure out a way to sell those and make some money. Bob being the uh, like direct, like the sales manager of Disc Golf, like the team manager, like Bob's Disc Golf at Discraft, for those of you yep. who don't know. Um, but... He was like, yeah, you should like figure out a way to sell all your discs and stuff. Like you probably still got to make money. And I'm like, you're right. I do. Like I got to figure something out. So I started my own company. Uh, it's called Resistance Discs. I'm repping one of the hoodies tonight. Nice. Um, but that became like my project. And it, I really just was going to use it as an avenue to sell a lot of my old discs that I had. I had some leftover inventory from Discmania and then a lot of Discraft stuff that I just wanted to keep pushing along. Uh, but it really turned out to be more successful. Like I had a lot of people who were just like, Oh dude, we love to support you. And we like want to keep buying your discs, like keep making and selling discs. So eventually I was able to like pick up a player. I, uh, you know, worked with my tour partner, uh, for the start of the 2020 season, Adam Hammes. Mm -hmm. We did like a couple of cool releases. We tried to do a custom run, some of his own signature stamps just to, you know, generate some extra funds for him while he's on the road. And then since then, it's really blown up that I'm now able to support. Like, I've got a small team uh, of people, uh, some players at, like, an ambassador level, um, but also some of, like, up-and-coming pros as well that don't have a disc manufacturer sponsor yet, as well as some of Discraft's top players, um, like Adam Hammes, Scott Withers, and then we just recently signed Haley King. Yeah. So wow. We're super excited about that. I cannot wait for the Haley King partnership. Yep, I was actually just about to give you guys a shout out on that. Um, sponsoring Adam, his Crystal Raptors had just been released recently. And then uh, Scott Withers, for people who don't know, is an absolute legend out in the Oregon area. Yeah, and he's I'm the Pacific because... Northwest Chris Dickerson. For yeah. those of you who like don't know, that's <laughs> the comparison. That is a perfect That think... is a perfect comparison. I haven't heard that, yeah, but I, I think that is perfect. I think he's, he's 1040 rated, right? Yeah. So he's 1040 rated. I think he's played like seven tournaments this year, and he's lost one. 
The rest yeah, is just which, one. It's and the one that he lost, blowing. he took second at a B tier, and he averaged like ten fifty eight rated golf. Yeah, so the the dude's insane, and I'm super excited because I think this year, um, when I was going through his PDGA page, I think he is playing more pro tour events than he has in the past. Um, one of them being Waco, which um, personally I feel like if there's a course to play on tour where distance isn't the biggest benefit to have. Um, not that Scott doesn't throw far. I know he does, but Scott's also a very good woods player. I was just watching coverage of him recently and Waco has a lot of holes that go throughout the woods. So I'm excited to see him out in the road. Um, and then shout out to your, you know, most recent sponsorship of Haley King. We've had her on the show before 2020 DGPT, uh, pro tour champion. And to have her, you guys are going to do some pretty awesome stuff with that. So I'm, I'm super stoked for you. Yeah, it's going to be a super awesome year. Like we've already got a couple of cust like custom runs up in the queue. We've got three coming up. Like I don't know how soon, but they're like confirmed. We have them. They're locked in mm -hmm. uh, for Scott Withers, and then we also have requests in for three more for Haley. Nice. We've got some reorders coming in for Adam. Like the Crystal Raptors and the Glow Z Zones were super hot, so we want to bring yeah. more of those back. Get more of those in people's hands because we're getting a lot. I get messages on like our Instagram DMs like almost every day. They're like are you guys going to do more glow Z zones? Like I want a crystal Raptor. I didn't sick. get one. Yeah. So we're, we're going to bring some back, change up the stamp just a little bit to, you know, signify the different runs, keep the collector, like a little bit of a collector item feel to some of them, but nice. yep. still be able to support the tour players. Cause that's, that's what I want to be able to do with resistance now is to help support some of these players. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. I, I, I think that's super cool. And especially, and like you said, you still have some ambassadors. Like I know one of them, um, correct me if I'm wrong. I think his name is Will Sherrill, but I think he's also on yep. the underground team. So I see a lot of his posts in our underground page that we have on Facebook. So shout out to him. Um, another disc craft guy and it's, it's cool. It's good to see what you're doing. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Like I said, some of the ambassador guys, but also like there's a couple guys that I picked up in Oregon here that are like guys who don't have a disc manufacturer sponsor yet. Mm -hmm. But one of them is that guy that beat Scott Withers so far this year, Chris Nelson, He's an up and coming guy. He's like 1018 rated right now. He's nice. like trending towards 1025. Like he's super good. He's going to play Vegas. So like I'm excited to see nice. Very help nice. like get some of these guys doing some stuff out on the road as well. Cause yeah. like I can't believe that Chris Nelson's not sponsored by somebody yet. He's so right. good. <laughs> now correct me if I'm wrong really quick, but I feel like I saw Scott post this on Facebook or Instagram, but Oregon per like thousand people thousand disc golfers or something like that is the hardest state to win in yeah um, we have like most... thousand rated players or something like that yeah we have the most thousand rated players per capita than anywhere like else in the world i think i mean finland was up there i can't remember if we were like if finland was first or if oregon was first but i think that oregon is absolutely one of the hardest places to win a tournament in like in the country yeah, I mean, regardless of like the pro tours, like I'm talking like C, B, C tiers, B tiers, stuff like that. Like people are consistently averaging 1050 plus golf to win C tiers and B tiers up here. That's insane. It's insane. I want to see tiers averaging 985 rated golf. So <laughs> you would maybe win MA1 sometimes <laughs> up in Oregon. It is like it is so competitive because hey. everyone from all over Oregon comes to those events, and then we get a lot of players come down from Washington too. Yeah. So. Yeah, I ran a B tier last year that I think we had eleven thousand plus rated players at, and in, in like a forty person pro field. 
what are, what are the winters like in Oregon? I felt like they were pretty similar to a Massachusetts winter, but clearly not because you guys have been no, running some tournaments recently. So it's a lot of rain more than snow. Yeah, it's a lot of gotcha. rain up here in the valley. Um, we occasionally will get like some weird freak snow ice storms. Like we just had one of those last week up in like up in about an hour north of me and up towards Portland. Yeah. But normally it's just rain. Yeah. We don't normally get cold enough to snow. Gotcha. That's insane. So my, uh, it's cool. My brother actually just recently back in October accepted a job out in Oregon at the, uh, Intel. Um, okay. Their, yeah. Their I think main, it's up in Portland. Main, yeah. It's in the Portland yeah. area. I think he lives just outside of Portland, but, uh, it was funny. He gave me a Christmas gift. It was a hundred dollar check. And he said for your future Portland tournaments. So I'm hoping one of these, nice. maybe if Dude, it's not this should... year, maybe next year. Yeah. I, I plan Resistance on coming to this open, man. We just locked down our tournament dates today. What, wow. what dates are they? Do you know? October 30th and 31st. So Okay, sounds good. That's, I'm playing ticket tonight. That's interesting you said that because I'm not going to lie. I do a little Google search, you know, on uh, resistance discs. And when I punched in resistance discs, I think Google or something gave me the option to finish saying resistance disc open. And I'm like, no. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So we ran a tournament at the end of last year. It was like the first year we ran that tournament. Um, and we did a three round B tier two rounds at like this it's basically what i consider my home course it's not like the closest course to me but it's like five minutes farther than another course but it's the course i spend all my time at uh it's called camp serene and it's a super fun wooded track um like tight lines like good gaps to hit um shreddable but like also can be super punishing if you're not hitting your initial gaps uh so we played two rounds there and then one round out at dexter state park it's a more known park in like the area uh, but like longer wooded track. So, so, so funny, st- funny yeah, story. Nick's about got the a Dexter funny story course. and I want to hear it. <laughs> yeah. Funny story about the Dexter course is I was actually just watching the recent, is it CH productions? Who's CH doing sports, the film? Yeah. Okay. So CH sports had put out a video. I forget when it was, it was recent though. Um, I think was it Scott Withers was there Proctor. No, it wasn't the Proctor one. Okay. Was that was winter siege of Pineway. That was like okay. Dustin Keegan ran a tournament recently. Yeah. Yes. That, that was that one. Okay. So anyways, the one at Dexter, I was casually watching it as I was doing some putting practice. So I'd put, I'd come back, they'd be on a different hole. And then all of a sudden I noticed them on a hole. It was called, I, I think it was hole 10, but it was yep. technically <laughs> called stairway to 11. And the only reason I know that is because like nine years ago, Will Schustrick, Dave Felberg, and Nico LaCastro filmed a fun casual round there. Yep. And it used to be one of my favorite disc golf videos. So if you guys haven't seen it, check it out. It's on YouTube. Look up Will Schustrick, Nico LaCastro, Dave Felberg. But they're playing around at – it must have been like That's an OG. That's the course. Yeah, it must have been like an OG layout because hole one was different. Um, there were a couple, couple different holes and everything like that. But it was just funny because all of a sudden I sit there and I start watching it. I'm like, hot damn, that – that hole looks really familiar. Why? And then I'm like, wait, that's stairway to 11. And in yeah. the video, it tells you there's a different name for every hole. So I thought that was pretty cool. But now I know Dexter State Park. Nice. <laughs> well, so now you've already got some film. You already watched plenty on that course. So when you come play it in real life this year, you'll feel at home. Exactly. I'm going to know it. what's going exactly. on. Exactly. <laughs> so we've got the chat really excited. They're still making jokes about they're not quite sure if you're like you still are an undercover like bodyguard. They're still talking about it in the chat. Um, people are still like, so what does he do again? Like everyone's, So here's the deal. I'm going to give you one chance. No, <laughs> more than one chance. <laughs> however long you want to take on it. But if someone walks up to you that doesn't know disc golf, right? And they ask you, it's been a long time since they've seen you, let's say, and they go, Jeff. So what do you do? What would your answer to them be? 
My like go-to answer is that I am the tour manager for Discraft. And what that means is I am like running it, all the logistics and operations of stuff that's happening on the tour uh, and assisting like Discraft's touring disc golf players. So we're, I'm like doing all of the sales at events when we're setting up vending at an event that we're like a presenting sponsor at or just a sponsor at. I'm doing when, I mean, this is more like when COVID wasn't happening, but we're running events outside of the tour. So we did a beat the beast challenge in uh, Oak Grove park, like after the wintertime open last year. So we'll run those kind of events, do clinics with the players. Um, and then I'm also like there to be a support staff for the players. You know, if they need a connection, like to stay somewhere or, you know, like for example, Scott Withers, he's not a full-time tour guy. He's like, Hey, I need to get out on the road. What do I do? Uh, be like, oh, cool. We got a you know bunk in the RV. We can get you to stay in. Like, let's get you out here for that. Or you know, I'm just there to like be assistant for all those guys that are doing stuff out on the road. Cool. I think if That's people awesome. are confused any longer, they they, they need to uh, I don't know meet you just in person. Rewind. Yeah, just, just rewind. Yeah, just rewind. Good, yeah. good call. So you, I want to say yeah, I want to say kudos to Discmania for kind of starting you in that position. But then kudos to Discraft yeah. for taking that opportunity to allow these other touring players and to allow like I know Adam Hammes is going around with you for pretty much most of the year, right? Yep, he'll be my go-to tour guy this year. Yeah, so that's awesome. Just being able to help out one of the touring guys, and so you're being cost efficient on fuel, hotel, everything like that. You got the truck and trailer, you know, you got campground costs and everything like that. But that gives Adam the opportunity to not have to worry about that much stuff <laughs> at the same time. So he's able to focus on playing disc golf, which, you know, is yeah. Great. Adam loves it because before we started the year last year, he was like, dude, I just want to eat at a bunch of cool restaurants this year because <laughs> my expensive food is the only thing I have to worry about. Like transportation and lodging is all taken care of, like through Discraft yeah. with this. Like, you know, all I got to do is eat food on the road. So I want to go eat a bunch of cool local stuff. And nice. I was like, yeah. I love to eat. Like, let's go try some good stuff, man. Like, oh, yeah. that was the stuff. When you when you make it up here to uh, MVP, which obviously I'm from Leicester, it's been said every show, I think, between now and the first one. Uh, we'll, yeah. we'll make you some good food. And I already made a deal with Adam to come over and play my 3D printed Settlers of Catan. So it's going to happen. Dude, I saw that. I wanted to ask you about that. I love Catan. Okay. And I kept seeing those 3D printed like things online. I was like, I want to make one of those because my girlfriend is a 3D printer. But I'm like, I don't have the time to want to paint that. Like, <laughs> yeah. all that stuff. I saw your pictures. I'm like, this is so cool. I want this. <laughs> so I'll just I'll just say it was 15 hours of hand painting, which is patience on my part. I like that. I, I'm I never do that. Yeah, my <laughs> wife says I'm patient, but man, that stuff is hard to get through sometimes, but 210 hours of printing, uh, 230 pieces or whatever. Yeah. So we're not here to talk about Catan, but that was a large project and Adam, and I found out a lot of disc golfers really like that game. And I've had some seriously high offers to buy it, but I just have to figure out what it's worth. I I'm a business guy, not really. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't know if it's worth my time to make a hundred bucks. Yeah. <laughs> There, I've seen people sell like those 3D printed Catan sets online and they go for like a few hundred dollars because like you said, 210 hours of printing time on a 3D printer is a long time. Yeah. yeah and, and again, not to belabor this point, but I said to my wife, I'm like, well, I could buy more 3D printers and then you could print three times as fast. And then like, anyway, so 
all right, enough with the 3D printing. By the way, I mentioned <laughs> yeah. that I mentioned that like two weeks ago, 3D printing, and I had a fan reach out and say that we have a lot in common. Now we talk 3D printers off air, so that's cool. Um, Very cool. Let's, Very cool. So I'll give you one last opportunity to tell us something really interesting. Is there any stories that people don't know about from on the road with like significant things that happened? I don't know. Is there anything that stands out to you? Like, or am I just putting you on the spot where you're like, no. You're, you're, if okay. I had like, if you pre, if you told me before the show, yeah. I would maybe have yeah. it to, like, because there's you, so many stories I can think of. Yeah. Okay. I'll give you a better, I'll give you a better question, I think. <laughs> um, you've been out on the road for years now. Okay. And you've witnessed some incredible things. What is probably the most incredible moment that you've been able to witness in the Ooh, disc golf? Great question. Oh, man. Front row in I person. I think so. I've the like, they're both paul Macbeth like highlights that like come to mind off the top of my head mm-hmm. and the first one was being in europe in 2019 for his charge at the european open nice. was insane like yep. all the fans in europe like they love paul they also love eagle because they love everything Discmania. Mm-hmm. and at that point in time i was still working for Discmania, so like i was i was rooting for eagle because he was you know in the lead at like at that point it would have been his yeah. biggest major he was contending for um but also like paul's a good buddy of mine so i'm also like hey if if eagle doesn't pull this out like i'm rooting for paul to like pull this out like either way i'm gonna be pretty stoked mm-hmm. and then when he jammed like that 50 footer on i think it's hole 11 like the little pawn shot at yeah uh the beast i was like oh no like yeah Paul Macbeth things are happening today. Like Steve Hill should have never have said, Oh, it's a two horse race between Ricky and Eagle. Like, I remember talking just... to Paul about that, that week. Yeah. And I did too. And I was like, so it's yeah. a two horse race today. And he's like, they're going to, they're going to regret that. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, I was like, at that point I was like, I can't wait. This is going to be so cool. Like he's yep. going to do Paul Macbeth things. So <laughs> that was something because also just the energy of like 4,000 people there watching that event. It's yeah. nuts. Like coming down the stretch. The other like highlight that I absolutely love was um, I was I was still with Dismania at this time, so I was like following Eagles card. But we were, I mean, Nick, you've been to Waco, so you know of like whole sixteen and seventeen at Waco and eight, like all are situated. I remember watching scores, and I was like, oh my gosh, like Paul's sixteen down through seventeen, like he's doing oh yeah like ridiculous things, and I like walked over from 16's like uh like t-pad to 18 and i like watched paul like put it under the basket basically and i was like he's gonna shoot 18 down like nice. are you kidding me like this is insane so those are like two of my like my just they were next level highlights of getting to see that live and in person was so cool yeah <laughs> were you there for the 2014 worlds um the playoff were you there for no. that no so uh, i was gonna move okay. into college two weeks before that um and my mom was like hey should we go up and watch like worlds up in oregon and i was like eh, like i don't know like maybe if like, we just go up there then we come back for like a week and a half then we go back up again to move in like i don't know it's kind of back and forth like eh, yeah it'll be fine and then like all of that happens and i was like are you kidding me like oh, this is so cool. like i was like oh but you know like being able to play blue lake too and like sit there and be like this is the tree like this yeah. is the tree that's the true world championship run Yep. Like this is the hole that like Paul Macbeth took an eight on in the semifinals and blew yeah. up. Yep. Like it's cool. <laughs> it's cool to like see all that stuff in person and yeah. be able to relate to it. 
yeah, that's that's cool being there for those kind of moments in disc golf. Um, I mean, I I was there for Paul Macbeth's 45 at Maple Hill, so I think that then was like 14 or 15 down, whatever it was, which was absolutely insane. Um, but to witness someone shoot the perfect round, you know, whether it's at Waco or you know at uh, Deglo or watch someone win their first world title, like I was actually I was there to watch Greg Barsby win his first world title, and that was yep. pretty insane. So just some pretty incredible moments that have happened um, in the disc golf world. Yeah, it's been cool. It's it's been a very very fun ride, and I'm excited for the future. Yeah, for sure. And uh, Nick, I was raising my hand too. Like I was there for that 45 for Paul and yeah. Maple, and and that'll be the best round. I, maybe I shouldn't say it. The best round I'll ever see. It was obviously extremely. Yeah. It was in the. It's been in the debate for the best round ever. So it it's definitely was a good. It's one. so good. Like yeah. I can't even. No one even thinks about shooting like that at Maple Hill. No, no. And it's funny because Ricky. I think Ricky had shot a 46 in recent years. Um, the course has been changed a little bit. He did have an ace on hole eight. Um, I know some holes play a little bit harder. Nick, it's um, the story. It's the storyline because I've yes. had this debate. You'll have to go back to other yeah. episodes yeah. where it's like yeah. there was different things on the line with this. But anyways, anyway, exactly. <laughs> we, we go well, back and listen yeah. to that show. I wanted to get this out because people have been commenting like crazy and we don't always respond to comments. But before we move on to our next topic of All-Star Weekend. For our audio listeners, which this is a very large part of our show, honestly, we do live stream our recording, but the audio is where it's really at, guys. <laughs> um, would you tell them how much you think your wallpaper's worth? And I mean wallpaper, oh, I mean man. the discs on the wall. Like what? I want to put a guess over twenty grand. So, like, I mean, you know, collector value and like, yeah, go ahead, collector value. Sell for like ridiculous collector value for like certain reasons. Um, and the main thing, like the people are looking at probably the top row that's up at the very top. Yeah. It's that way. They're actually uh, saying yeah, they can't five, see. They're actually saying they, they can't, can't see, see, see the very, very there. They thought you were oh, hiding. some. how about that? Okay. The very, very top or the very, very top row all like over there are all like a bunch of blank discraft, like Macbeth molds, like between Luna's Zeus's onyxes, uh, just all sorts of crazy stuff. The next row is a lot of old, like, crazy Paul Macbeth stuff. So I have on the wall five McPro AVR Destroyers, which, that's you know, grand. those. Yeah, that's At Hannah least. sold one for, I think, $2,500 as, like, a fundraiser yeah. for her mom. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so that's ten grand right there. There's a McPro AVR T-Bird up there. There's a couple of, like, very unique McPro AVRs as well. The Four Claw Buzzes, the Four Claw Zones, like... And then the other wall to my left is I think there's 40, like five or something test flight onyxes, which are like my favorite disc from Discraft is the onyx. So there's a lot of those as well. <laughs> is the test flight? There's a lot of stuff. I feel like I'm out of the loop with that because honestly, the I thought, is that the first release of the onyx? Because that's what I'm liking. It's the yep. one that just has the little yeah. Paul Macbeth logo on it. Yep. Yeah, that is like my favorite fairway driver as of this last like year, whenever it came out. Yeah, I really loved it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I love Onyx. Onyxes are incredible. And uh, test flight super. ones were just such a super consistent run. It's it's insane. All right. So is there anything we left out for the Jeff Corns part of this show where we get to find out stuff about you or did we already dig too deep? I think that's basically it. Um, I mean, we talked. Uh, yeah, I think we, we covered everything. Like we covered the Reddit. <laughs> Thread, who is Jeff Barnes? Yeah, like someone exactly. can now link this episode of the Nick and Matt show to 
who is Jeff Corns? <laughs> Very nice. Perfect. People could be helping us out. So if someone says who is Jeff Corns, <laughs> make sure you just link them the link to this podcast. But anyways, <laughs> Jeff, we have something exciting happening this weekend. Down in yes. Arizona, we are having the first inaugural DGPT All-Star Weekend. Are you excited for it? I'm excited. Like the format is, you know, it's crazy. Like it's fun. It should be exciting. Um, I hope it's easy to follow. Um, but like it should be like I I've always wanted to like watch the MPO players and the FPO players play doubles with each other. Because yeah. you see mixed dubs at like Pro Worlds, and there's sometimes someone grabs it on video footage, but. There's never a time where you're watching Paul Macbeth play doubles with, like, for example, James Conrad. Yeah. Like, and you're going to get to see that. That's going to be so cool. Right. Yeah. So can Um, we can we talk about Nick? You see it in the show notes there. But where Nico LaCastro shook things up as of the last couple of days leading up to this. And he has not made an announcement. And I'm not asking to put, obviously, Jeff on the spot here. We're the hot take wonders. I don't want to make our guests do that. But. I Jeff's a hot take wonder. Okay. We'll let him do that then. <laughs> we, we're not going to make him is my point. If he wants to interject yeah. and give his hot yeah, takes yeah. on this, he can, but where I'm going with this is that Nico has not made an announcement. And the announcement was made obviously by the pro tour saying that he is not participating. What would cause that to be the case? What would cause that? Because to not have an announcement and then to not participate at the first inaugural all-star event, which is an achievement. Um, some of my thoughts are maybe he dropped out for an injury, but I think he would have made an announcement. Um, maybe he thought the event was stupid. <laughs> maybe he didn't like his partner. Um, maybe there's beef there. Um, I guess the only other thing I'd say is, did you see, and this is a whole nother topic in and of itself, this YouTube channel, I'm not going to say the name of it right now, um, but there's a YouTube channel that made a compilation of Nico's emotional outbursts and it got a lot of coverage and it's interesting to watch. I honestly, I'm pretty straightforward with what I think on these things and I did not find that video to be that outrageous. Like, maybe it's because I've known Nico since I started playing. Like, I mean, I've, I've watched him and it didn't seem that crazy to me. But what do you think it feels like to be Nico and have that video going viral in the disc golf world right before all this? Does that have anything to do with it? Like, what, what's your guys' takes on that? Nico dropping out. Go ahead, Jeff. <laughs> I'm going to say I'm going to say no, because if you like you can legitimately walk up to Nico and be like, dude, like, are you just like a hot headed jerk? Like. You know, and he'll just tell you, like, no, I play with, like, passion. You know, I'm an emotional guy. And that's just, like, who he is. I Everyone has this perception of him that he is, like, a hot-headed person. He blows up. He makes a big scene. Like, a lot of the old, older video, like, a lot of the, in that compilation, because I've watched it, too, and I think it was, like, kind of funny. Like, it was somewhat entertaining to watch. Mm -hmm. Um, But... It's a lot of like older stuff where he like really blows up and he has like puts on a scene rather than just like, you know, slapping his leg with a putter or like punching the ground just like quickly or something. A lot of like the old scene kind of things that he did are just like, like it happened. It was kind of an older thing that he did. He's kind of grown out of it a little bit. I don't think yeah. that 
everyone knows that this is like the perception of Nico and Nico also knows that like, this is kind of what people think of him. I don't think that this, you know, affects him at all. Like Drew Gibson and his haters, everyone knows that they exist and Drew doesn't care about them. He just puts on the shades. He's gone blocking out the haters. Like, I don't care who you are. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that a hundred percent. I really don't think at this point in Nico's career, like Jeff said, he plays with passion. He really does. Um, he's a great player, but he struggles with things on and off the course. And so I think when it comes to, you know, his outbursts and everything like that, Nico's been doing it for probably over 10 years now. And so for him dropping out of the all-star event, more than likely, you know, if I'm going to put a guess on it, maybe he just doesn't want to play it in the sense of, you know, maybe he's got an injury, maybe just in general, doesn't want to go to it. I don't even know if he signed up for Vegas. He might be. I, I was, actually look I was about that. to ask that. I was going to say, yeah. I don't know if anyone looked. I haven't. But is he signed up for Vegas? Yeah, I'm going to check that out now. The chat, um, the chats will let us know in a second. But so yeah, I guess right. all in all, like just to kind of wrap up that. And this is interesting, right? Because as a person um, off air, if you will, I don't typically try to make these anal anal analyze people's lives right but like nico has a public life my show is public i'm going to talk about it nico has had situations right where granted he wasn't able to travel out of the country there was i forget if it's mm -hmm. australian open or whatever it was he had to drop out for some maybe his european open or whatever and it was like mm -hmm. he can't travel out of the country for personal personal reasons but I was thinking, like, did something happen here where he can't travel out of the state? Who knows? But the point is, I don't want to make speculations to say that's what it is. But I'm saying yeah. I feel like, am I wrong to say that the inaugural All-Star event, it's an honor, I feel like, and I know there's not history behind it yet, but it's an honor to get that invite. And it would be cool to see. And again, I see in the chat, someone said maybe it's a personal thing, like with family, a crisis of some yep. sort. And I yeah, get yeah. that. That could be very well it, and he owes nobody an announcement, right, until the time is right for him. But if it's anything but that, I think it would be great for his fans for him to make some type of announcement just so, you know, they can buy in to him. That's yeah, that's my take exactly. on it. Exactly. I did find out he is signed up for Vegas, um, so he will be somewhat in that area. I think it's about a five- or six-hour drive from yeah, uh, tournament that. to tournament. Um, but, yeah, I think more than likely, I bet you it's just a small injury. And, you know, if I was in his position and I had an injury kind of lingering, I would drop out of the more fun event, even though it's an inaugural, even though he was invited to it. I would drop out of that so that I could focus up and heal for Vegas. But you would know, you that's just if I was in that position? Yeah. But would you as a pro athlete, would you and I'm not saying right or wrong, I guess, but I'm saying, would you make an announcement? Hey, I'm dropping out because I have a small injury. I want to take care of myself. Yeah, I think depending on the situation, um, even if it was personal, I would just say, hey, got some personal things going on. Can't wait to see you guys in Vegas. You know, something like cool. that. Yeah. I feel like personally that's what I would do. Yeah. Um, like, Matt, we have a major announcement coming up in just a little bit. <laughs> we're going to talk about it. But um, no, nah. we're just going to whatever the announcement is, we're not going to say and we're just going to have the changes take place. Ooh, I just rolled something out there. I just said changes. Oh boy, big things coming. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> so, so that is coming. Um, but so that's that's not really the full conversation here. So the All Star Weekend is happening. You have Paul, and as you mentioned, Jeff James Conrad. That is a totally cool pairing up. You have Chris and Eagle. You have Ricky and Kevin. You have Calvin and Garrett Gerthy. And then on the FPO side, obviously Paige Pierce, Heather Young, and then Katrina Allen and Kona. Panis, 
uh, Sarah Hokum and Jessica Weiss. And then your final doubles rounding out the FPO side, Haley and Missy. Haley King, of course, Missy Gannon. So when you looked at the Disc Golf Pro Tour's post on this and you saw the pictures of these doubles matchups, did your brain immediately go to, oh, that is a powerhouse that is not going to be easily beaten? And who was it? Yeah, it, it did for the FPO side for me. And I'm sure you can kind of guess like who I'm leaning towards. And Paige and Heather, like that team to me is disgusting. I think that I want to debate with that. And the okay. only reason I say it is because Heather doesn't necessarily throw far. She's always said that is a weakness of hers, but she's a filthy putter. So putting wise, like she's solid on the putter green. It's insane. She's better than a lot of MPO players. Um, she has a great forehand and backhand. She's a lefty for people who don't know. Um, but my, who I'm rooting for, to be honest, is Haley King and Missy Gannon. Cause I think both of them together, both Missy and Haley are incredible putters. Missy throws decently far for an FPO player. And then Haley smashes forehands and backhands. So those two, I think I'm hoping that's who I'm rooting for. Uh, but Haley and Missy. Someone in the chat just said that Paige Pierce doesn't have the greatest forehand. Now, the funny thing is some people say that about the top five players in the world too. Like, oh, they don't have that good a forehand. But the reality is they're a top pro. They can th usually that's their level of forehand is better than the average person's. But, yeah. but to that point, Heather Young is a lefty. So like that is very obviously compatible in style of yes. play. <laughs> and Paige and Heather are both great putters. Like Paige, no doubt is a great putter. Um, she bangs jump putts and everything like that. And Heather is just filthy from anywhere within 50 feet. It's actually insane. So that, that'll be interesting to see. Are we kind of discounting Katrina Allen and Kona? Um, obviously, Sarah and Jessica Weiss. I mean, I don't want to use the word. Yeah, I don't know if discount's the I, right word. I, I don't feel like they really have a chance against those two. I would two. say for me personally. Oh, a I'm chance. They have a chance, <laughs> but not, yeah, not a real they, chance. <laughs> exactly. They, they have a lower percentage for me personally. So I feel like if I'm going to put my money on someone, I'm either going with, you know, if I was watching players play, you know, practice runs and everything like that, I would choose between Heather, um, excuse me, Heather, Paige and Heather or Haley and Missy. But right now I put my money on Haley and Missy. That's what I'm going for. Yeah. So uh, that, I'll just I'll put my comment in on that. That's honestly that is a force to be reckoned with. But you have Paige Pierce, five-time world champion, um, with supportive exactly. role of Haley. I mean uh, Heather Young. So it's going to be great. Let's see what happens on the MPO side. I you said FPO stood out to you, Jeff. On the MPO side, to me, I can make a case for all of them, but pretty quickly my brain narrowed it down. Just like in that very first reactionary type thing to Chris Dickerson and Eagle McMahon. I, I don't know for me, and I'll give my point, and you guys can take it. Eagle is definitely a top two or three player in the world. Okay, as far as like skill level goes, Chris Dickerson demonstrated obviously last year that he is incredible winning the U.S. championship. Um, his rating is now 1050, just showing that obviously his play is backed up by his rating. Um, I don't know. But then you go Ricky and Kevin. So, I mean, it's there's what do you guys see there with the MPO side for doubles? Go, Amigo. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Jeff. go for it. I, I have my own thing right after. 
All right. So I like the team of Chris and Eagle as well, just because like if you've watched the Memorial for the past few years, Eagle has is always putting up rounds in the high teens at Fountain Hills, which are like mind blowing. He's putting up 11 or 100 rated rounds like every year there. Um, and then Chris is just consistent. Like he's just like, as you saw at USDGC, he's just going to put discs in the middle of the fairway, which is going to be crucial for best shot and worst shot. Um, and then his, like, I feel like Eagle is an outstanding circle one putter. And I sure that there's a debate by that could be taken from this. I think Eagle is one of the best circle one putters on tour right now. And I don't think they're like, like I'll dive into stats about it. If you wanted to go into it about it, but I think he's elite circle one putter. There's no, doubt. Um, yeah. I think his, it teeters off like around like 40 feet. And he starts like he doesn't he's not as aggressive with his putts. You'll see him throw these kind of like Anheuser, like full flex floaty putts. And he's kind of chicken with his like longer putts. And he'll even say that he is, which, you know, I'm like, I don't know why you are. You're the best circle one putter. If you blow by the basket from 65 feet, just can the 27 foot comeback. You do it like 93 percent of the time or something. So Chris, who's that fearless circle two guy, he's like Mr. Step putt, like I can't wait to watch him just jam every circle two putt that Eagle like doesn't want to run. Yeah. Yeah. No, so, I, I agree with that hundred percent. Watching and... that combo will be cool. There's <laughs> other like teams now. Like what is it? Is it Calvin and double G now? Calvin and double G now because Nico. <laughs> That's gross. People, yeah. For, for, for people who do not know, Nico recently dropped out of the event. Um, and that actually shook up who the partners were for the pairings. So now, you know, like we said, Paul's with James Conrad, Chris is with Eagle, Ricky with Kevin Jones, and now Calvin is with Double G because they took James Conrad from the players' pool being the ninth-ranked person and bumped him up. So now Paul, being the number one, gets to be with James Conrad, the number nine. Yeah, so, again, I'll just say it out loud. Paul and James Conrad, you cannot call Paul out. And that doesn't sound fair, but obviously you're matching up world's best or, you know, was world's best has multiple more world wins than most pros out there matching up with James Conrad who got in if you will because Nico didn't so I mean that's your largest disparity if you will between players but you can't count Paul out like almost do you does anybody feel like Paul could go in this and just win it by himself if he was given like you know Cali play where he could take an extra shot like could he win out against these teams and you can't count him out but yeah exactly Ricky and Kevin take on it yeah, my take on it is Chris and Eagle, they're the only team that has two 1050 rated players. And all we talk about in disc golf right now is ratings. And that is <laughs> average wise. That's the highest rated doubles team that there is that probably has ever been in the disc golf ever world. Ever existed. Ever existed. I definitely don't think you can keep Paul and James Conrad out. But to be honest, scrolling through the internet today, the one that I've seen the most of is the Ricky and Kevin Jones. I was just going to I ask. have seen so many posts about those two, and um, I like Jeff's take on it. I'm always rooting for my boy Paul, and I love James yep. Conrad. I'm super excited to see James Conrad throw MVP this year. Um, I think it's going to be great. He's doing a ton on social media, so I've kind of gotten to see him throw with it. Um, but, you know, Paul's obviously a multiple memorial winner. Uh, Eagle has won it. Chris, shout out to Chris Dickerson is taking his first flight ever to go out to the West Coast for these I events. I was going to mention so that. Yeah. We've, we've had him on the podcast before, and I've talked to him personally about it. The dude hates the idea of flying. 
So shout out to him for actually doing this and going out there. I think that's going to be great. But uh, am I putting money? I want to put it on Chris and Eagle, but I'll play devil's advocate to Jeff and I'm going to go, I'll put my money on Paul and James Conrad. Damn. And then in Vegas, whoever wins, you know, we can buy each other lunch. I The reason why <sighs> I just jumped to Chris and Eagle is because of worst shot doubles. Yeah, like, I know. Worst shot, like everyone's just thinking, oh, these doubles teams are so stacked. They're going to be so good. And you're like, wait a second. Some of these guys are going to be, you know, if they're not accurate, they're going to be dunking them in the water. And that's the shot they're going to be taking. Yep. Like, yep, that's a good there's point. a yeah. lot of. Yeah, like and that's a good, point. you know, I'm actually to be honest, I would have loved to see this be a full on match play event. Believe me, I would love to see that. But yeah. has the Pro Tour come out with are they doing worst shot doubles to where when someone finishes the finishes the hole is the hole over or do both? I haven't to make seen it yet. Yeah, I've so, been wondering the same thing. Like, does how, someone, if someone throws in from 200 feet, does the other person have to throw in from 200 feet to exactly. count it? Like, some how, people play that. We talked double. about it last week. It's called tough shot yeah. or worst shot. Worst shot yes. is over, I think, when you putt. Tough so, shot is everybody I'm, has to putt. I'm hoping when the disc is in the basket, like it's whoever over. makes it, <laughs> then it's over. That's the, I'm hoping for worst shot doubles. And to be honest, when they announce that, and hopefully that's the way it is, um, I'm actually super excited to see that. And the only like the big advantage that I see in worst shot doubles is both Chris and Eagle have incredible forehands. Eagle arguably has the best forehand on the disc golf pro tour. Paul has an incredible forehand. It's easily top five, maybe even top three. If you want to argue with it, James Conrad doesn't though. Chris Dickerson has a forehand that's very, very well-rounded in all angles and he can get the job done with it. James Conrad has said multiple times that he views himself as probably the worst, worst forehand player on tour. When you're counting, let's say the top 32 players, he's probably the worst forehand player. And he's saying that. So, <laughs> so, so let I'm me like trying to think through my head. To yeah. See let me, let me, t- that I can think <laughs> of that comes to mind. Let me tell you a few things. Yeah. <laughs> let me tell you a few things. So you got in the chats, I'm just bringing it to you a little bit, Nick. I know I know you love the chat, and I and I'm appreciating it tonight too. You got people yep. uh, curious. Wait, it's you know worst shot doubles, and the answer is well, it's two nine hole rounds on a modified layout at Fountain Hills. So there's nine holes at what used to be 18 holes. They've lengthened holes and changed it up. So they're gonna go around once playing best disc. So you will see best disc doubles, but then they play immediately again the loop of nine again, worst disc. So that's what's happening now. Just to wrap up that conversation, based off of what you said, Jeff, and that was very insightful, and I know Nick agreed with that, as far as now you're throwing in nine of the worst disc shots. My brain, and this is going to be a slight towards some of them, but for me, it goes still, it's either Chris or Eagle, that was my original pick, or second place, possibly eking that out would be Paul and James Conrad. That's my, that would be my, that would be my pick. I think it's a lower percentage chance for them, but I think that's the one and two for me. Um, yeah. did you hear about, let's move on in this topic of all-star weekend. Did you hear about the addition of the CTP event for whole one, um, players, about one, uh, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say players get two shots on hole one to either ACE it or, um, hit metal. If they ACE it, they get a thousand bucks. If they hit metal, they get $500. And I think a CTP, if you will, just closest to get 500 bucks. So everybody gets a chance at some money. Um, have you ever thrown hole one, Jeff? Yes. How does it super throw? intimidating? Yeah. How does it throw <laughs> it for is. you? Because I've thrown it before and I have a perspective, but I'm a I'm a weak noodle arm. So what did you think? 
I like I always just go max speed disc because like if I think the hole is 393 feet, but it's, yeah. you know, water carry 390 of those 393 feet to the basket. Yeah. Um, yeah. To the basket, like straight line. So like normally I could probably get like an onyx there, but do I want to throw one there? No, because if I don't like if I do anything wrong, it's going to be in the drink. Hundred yep. percent. So I always go like fast disc, rip it hard, like hang it out right. Like I'm just trying to like play that skip, get to like 30 feet away. Maybe if I'm feeling good, like I'll run the putt. If I like somehow curl and roll to like 25, then I'm like really liking myself. Mm -hmm. But I have no problem walking away with a three on that hole. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So we have a chat uh, coming in saying per ulti world. Shout out to Ulti World. Thank you for this information. <laughs> nine holes of best shot doubles and nine holes of tough shot doubles. Now, I feel like I'm getting confused now what the tough shot and worst shot is. I can't remember. <laughs> so I feel like tough shot is. It, I, I hope it's, it's hold not tough out. shot, to be honest. Yeah. I, I think when the hole's over, when someone drains that putt, boom, it's done. I, I think even yeah. the pros playing the That's event, how we I hope think they would agree with the same thing. Exactly. But. No. So, yeah, so I've thrown hole one, uh, Jeff, and I do the same thing. I was pulling out like a destroyer, and I'm just like, throw it as hard as I can, hang it out over the right, as you said, where it's a little safer, and if you, and I can't throw that far. I'm throwing like 350 max myself. So, long story short, that's going to be fun to watch the pros, because if you're aggressive on that shot to ace it, you're probably, you could go long easily if you're throwing, if you're throwing flat. <laughs> Yeah, you get a hundred percent just dunk one. Or oh, yeah. yeah. Or are you just gonna dunk gonna it? Be, right, exactly. Yeah. There's probably gonna be like five or six spotters or volunteers for the event just sitting in front of the basket Wearing helmets. in the water. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> trying to, so trying to catch disc discs. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. So when a disc comes in and they're gonna be able to get it. That's good. So I've been I've been in that water before. It's absolutely disgusting. What comes it's out so... of the fountain is literally just geese poop. That's all it is. And it's absolutely horrendous but you must have really liked that disc whatever you went in for now. i lost Paul, yeah all asked me if i would get an undertaker of his that he threw an 18 <laughs> and so i went in for probably paul, 20 minutes paul and, asked you you know i didn't know hey you're he such hooked, a good friend he, he hooks me, like dude he hooks me up all the time with plastic <laughs> yeah, and like you know a place to stay and everything like that so every so often when i gotta get my feet dirty i'm happy to do it. i lost a 2016 not like the most amazing, but a 2016 uh, Sexton Glow Firebird in there, and I didn't go in and get it because I didn't see it go in because it's one of those shots, I think it was like hole seven, eight, or nine, somewhere there where it's like a blind, your second shot's blind and over a hill to the basket. Anyways, and there's water, yeah. peninsula. Long story yeah. short, I didn't realize the peninsula was where it was, and I just threw a shot, and it went in the water, and I never found it. But well, I lost the test flight con. <laughs> we, I just got in the day before. <laughs> We can have a whole segment oh about the worst discs that we've lost. Yeah. Uh, what's the worst disc you've ever lost, Jeff? <laughs> I I have not lost many discs at Fountain. I play very conservative to not lose discs because I've 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 only played the event once, and it was when I was playing Am. So I've never like I've never needed to throw shots there where I like need to be really good. So I like I walk to the memorial every year and I'm like, I don't want need to lose my discs here. I'm not going to throw it in the water. I'm just going to play it safe. Like I'll take a par, like this hole's dumb, whatever. Like I'm not going to lose discs. But the one, the worst one I've ever seen lost is I watched Nate Sexton lose a like swirly destroyer with a 2015 Sexton Firebird stamp on it with like a team stamp. Oh no. Just 
go I still have a picture of the disc because he like I played a practice round with him like the winter before and he was flexing it I'm like look how cool this is and I'm like dang that thing's sweet and then just I like catch up with them like later in the round he's like dude I dunked that firebird destroyer at hole one just first shot out of the car that day warming up and just tossed it right in and I was like what were you doing like why'd you throw that disc first Oh my god! So we have the chat coming in, and honestly, all of us losing our disc stories are good, but it's it's depressing me. <laughs> but we we had a chat come in that confirmed, and thank you to the chats; they make our show that much better. They're like free um, analysts going around finding this information. Um, and I'll, I'll actually give a shout out, uh, Joachim Broman. So tough shot, he says, is where the worst. Uh, it's similar to worst shot, obviously, same thing, except. When a hole is holed out, a player holds out, it's over. The hole's completed. So that's what we all wanted to see. So that sounds okay, like confirmation. Cool. <clears throat> okay. Because I think, hopefully, like, also in Tough Shot, it's not always, like, the worst outcome of a shot. Like, Tough Shot, I think it's normally, like, your the pairing you're up against decides what your Tough Shot is. That's right. And they could potentially assign you, like, a shot that maybe is inbounds, but, like, could be in an absolutely terrible position. Right compared to like a shot that went out of bounds, like right next to the basket. Like, yeah. you know, if someone exactly. like turfs a shot, like 50 feet in front of the tee pad, like, Oh, you're taking that one instead of the one that's 25 feet out of bounds where you're just going to get a, like a three P like, yeah, that makes enjoy sense. throwing that shot again, yeah. but just 50. So feet there could be strategy. Time. For sure, there could be strategy. Yeah. It'll be fun to watch. Okay. Um, unfortunately for me, I'm not going to be able to watch it live. I love live and everyone on this show knows that I'm not going to be able to watch it live because Nick, I'm playing team challenge. New England team challenge, or it's COVID team challenge this year. And yeah. um, there's going to be a fresh eight inches of snow on the ground, and I'm going to be walking around in it all day Saturday, wishing I was Ew. watching live disc golf. <laughs> so, uh, Jeff, yeah. uh, we've found out a lot about you. We still aren't sure because you haven't confirmed or denied if you're a bodyguard for any of the players, although you've told us what you do. You haven't. Don't, we'll just leave, I, just leave it. I have had to, like, bend that guy before. Oh, like, there there's comes. times where, like, I'll be hanging out with Paul, and I will feel terrible that, like, people come up and they're like, hey, like, can I get an autograph or whatever? And this year with COVID, like, the Disc Golf Pro Tour literally just said, hey, we don't want you guys signing discs. Please don't do it. <laughs> just mm – -hmm. And it like, you know, it's the disc golf pro tour that's doing it. And, you know, Paul is one of those people who like, you know, people come out and like, will literally drive like six hours sometimes to go watch Paul Macbeth play a tournament. Yeah. And it like, you know, can break people's heart when they like are like, hey, like, no, I can't sign your disc. And Paul will tell you like, hey, like the disc golf pro tour doesn't want me doing this. I can't sign discs. And there's been people who are like, oh, like, can I, can I please get it signed? Or like, they'll come up again and like, be like, hey, can I get the sign? I'll just, I'll just, I've been like, dude, like, sorry, like, they're like, we're not supposed to be signing discs. Like, it's a risk for him. And like, if you're a fan of him, like, get respect his decision and what yeah. he needs to do because he wants to be out here playing disc golf. And I'm sure you want to be watching him play too at home. Like, for so sure. I have had to be like the guy <laughs> of like, hey, can you back off and like leave Paul or leave Eagle alone? Like, you're being that dude. <laughs> so you have dabbled in it in our chat room saying we knew it we knew it so yeah. i've had yeah i've there's been a i can't remember what oh was it it was at ledgestone i think it might have been this past year someone was just like talking to people on the card who had no business mm. being anywhere near the card and i had to like go get nate heinold and be like nate like this why is this dude talking to paul Macbeth right now can you get this guy like 50 feet away from us <laughs> and he was like someone's talking to paul that's not okay 
and the <laughs> Nate Heinel just yeah. Oh god, does he probably his thing. He's like, over there. he's like, sir, you need to get behind the ropes right now. That was like, me. This is, not a, yeah. this is not okay. That was me. No, that was me in disc golf. How many years ago is that now? When Paul shot his uh, forty-five at Maple, that was eight, me. Eight years. Eight ago. years ago, and that was before disc golf yep. was even close to how big it is right now. Like that was before there was yeah. like disc golf pro tour, like officially. And like, I was on his card yep. just talking to him about his round. So like that was me, but now disc golf is in a different place and it's just going to have to change. But Jeff, we were super stoked to have you on tonight. Uh, you totally brought an energy and you brought stories and you brought excitement. You brought insider knowledge and our fans enjoyed it. Um, is there anything you'd like to close out besides obviously resistance disc pr people purchasing disc there to help support you and the, and the players? Is there anything else they can do to support you or anywhere, anywhere they can follow your journeys? Uh, yeah, I've got an Instagram. I've got Facebook. Find me on those. You know, I'll try to do my best to post on stuff. I used to be really good at posting on Instagram. Now I'm just okay at posting on Instagram. Um, but keep up with me there. And then also resistance discs, like support these players and stuff. Every player on my team has an affiliate code. I think almost every one of them has it in their bio of like their Instagram or whatever. So if you have, if you go on our site, there's a team section of our page. You can find a list of all of our team members. And if you see someone on there that you like, or you know, or you want to support uh, there, I think everyone's social media probably has that affiliate link that you don't even need a code to check out from just clicking on that link will support that player. Um, so, and then all the custom run releases, like these crystal Raptors, we just ran for Adam. If you find one of these custom runs on our site that supports a player, they're getting a significant portion of the sales of those. So it helps support them on tour and, you know, very cool. Up. Very cool. Awesome. Well, we are glad to have you. We'll see you around for sure. I'm sure you'll see Nick before you see me. But if if and when I get out there, which one I, week? Yeah, yeah. Are one. you going to Vegas? <laughs> yes, sir. Dude, let's go. I didn't even know that. I'm stoked. Yeah. I'll be there for. Uh, I'll be Vegas, Arizona, and Texas, and then I'm coming back to Virginia. So, dude, I got a little awesome. three weeks. I'm going on. Nick yes, will be I'm doing. Sweet. I'm super. Pumped. Nick will be doing the show on the road for a few weeks. That's our big announcement. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, no. That's not Nick it. will be doing the show on the road. So if you burst in, you can actually be live on Nick's camera with him. So we'll we'll figure that out. But I'll do that for sure. I got you. <laughs> totally happy to have you on tonight and uh, have safe time out there in this world right now and enjoy your evening. Yeah, guys, thanks for having me. I Congratulations on your announcement. I know what it is. What? And it's something super cool. So congrats, guys. It's going to be sweet for you guys. How how Take does he – he knows everything. All right, Jeff, we'll talk to you later. I got the show notes, man. Yeah, I got all exactly. the inside scoop. So yep. all I feel right. like I'm in the know. All right, cool, exactly. man. Exactly. So take it easy, Jeff. Thanks, we'll see you around, buddy. All right, bye. See you guys. Peace. All right. So that was Jeff. That was awesome. Yeah, that that was awesome. Yeah. So let me see here, Jeff, Nick. Jeff's a wicked cool guy. Your your camera. Hold on, I'm gonna take care of it here. Your camera, I think, froze up for a second, as in like it's glitching where you're a little delayed with your audio. So we're fi I'm fixing it up, but the people can still hear you no matter what. All right, cool. So people have been waiting around for this moment in the show. Have you? And I'm about to drop a bomb on them. <laughs> no, <laughs> I had somebody literally message today the Nick and Matt show, and say, all of this hype. This better be something real because otherwise I'm going to be fuming. And I'm like, okay, let me first put it this way. It does seem like hype in the disc golf world to say you have a major announcement. And especially, Nick, I mean, you're not a nobody. Like, I, I'm i a nobody, but like, <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> My point is, we've, we've done good for promotion of our show. We have fans that are seriously – Supportive, I should, is how I'd say it. Supportive of our yep. show. Yep. Um, 
Nick and I started this show as purely a hobby mindset where it was like, I think if I'm just being all the way to the beginning, I was sitting around one day and I'm like, man, I talk a lot. I think it'd be cool to talk about disc golf. And I'm like, Nick, like, what do you think? Like, would you be down for this? Cause like, I need someone else. I don't want to just do this by myself. Yeah. And Nick's like, and what's, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say what's, what's funny about that is I'm not really like a podcast person at all. I don't listen to too many podcasts. I do now because I'm in the podcast world. But before that, if I'm in the car, I'm listening to music. If I'm working out, I'm listening to music. Like I rarely have ever listened to a podcast unless it was something like the Joe Rogan experience where, you know, it's something that's super well known and it's a guess that, you know, I know in a sense. So, yeah. So long story short, because this is not a sob story. People are like, the show is ending. <laughs> People yeah. are guessing nope. we have sponsors, all that stuff. So yeah. like, tra- like fast forward up to the Christmas off season for us. And Nick and I were talking. We're like, what are we doing? When are we coming back? Are we ready to start? Nick drops a bomb. He says, I'm moving to Virginia. And I'm like, yeah. all right, we're still going to make it work. And we have. We've mm-hmm. continued to do this. Where I'm getting to with this. Nick in Matt show. One of us has to say it, Nick. <laughs> the Nick and Matt I'll show. Go ahead. Yeah, I'll say it. So <laughs> moving down to Virginia has opened up a, I'm going to use a you know, big number word, but has opened up a plethora of doors for me in the disc golf world, um, which is super incredible. I'm super thankful for it. Uh, my passion in life right now is just pretty much everything disc golf. I love it. I talk about it all day. And fortunately, I'm able to talk about it to all of our podcast listeners and all of the chat that's you know, watching the video right now. So in a recent week, um, Brody Smith was in town. And for people who don't know, um, Brody Smith is one of the co-owners of Foundation Disc Golf, along with Paul Macbeth and Hunter Thomas. Um, all three of them are very good buddies of mine. And Brody and I got to talking a little bit about a conversation him and Hunter had to where Foundation wants to create a podcast network to where, you know, there's pretty much like an umbrella. And our podcast will now be under the Foundation umbrella to where on youtube it'll no longer be the nick and matt show that you will be subscribing to it will be under foundation podcasts and you know to be honest it's not that big of a change except for our youtube name the show itself (laughs) yeah to be clear we're still the nick and matt show the brand is exactly exactly the same nick and matt show you're going to continue to get the high level content the great interviews that we think we provide sometimes Uh, guys our interviewing is going to get better this is our first year ever doing this as non-trained professionals we've we've crawled through it we've we've attracted attention of of a lot of people um and foundation podcast of foundation disc golf owners paul Macbeth, brody smith uh, Hunter Thomas over there reached out, provided us an agreement contract. Nick and I looked it over and we said, let's play hardball. Let's ask for another million on top of the first million they offered us. Yeah. <laughs> no, that there's, we're not going to disclose the agreement, but it is for one year to start. And um, guys, you've been asking for merchandise. Like I saw it in the, I saw it in the chat tonight. Hey, can I get, and this is someone like in Norway. Can I get a disc with the Nick and Matt logo on it? Um, can I get a shirt? There's Christopher. There's his uh, Kroner's uh, super chat right now. That's Christopher. That's the guy. What a guy. So Brody in here saying, can't wait to see what we do this year. It's going to be big time. Um, thank you for that, Brody. Uh, again, I said this to Brody when we were having our meetings. Like, 
thank you for seeing the uh, potential with our show, like where we've got it and yeah. giving us that opportunity to come and join your amazing organization business over there. Um, same to Thomas and same to uh, Hunter Thomas and same to uh, Paul Macbeth as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so Nick, what does this actually mean? Like the practical. So where are people going to get the podcast? If they're subscribed on iTunes, you're mm-hmm. still going to get it there. Our logo is going to add the addition of the foundation logo to say that we are part of the foundation podcast network. Mm-hmm. YouTube, as you mentioned, this channel that you guys are currently on right now is going to be more or less dormant. Okay. And our shows will now be available and you can go find them now, guys. Send the love over to Foundation Podcast on YouTube. Don't leave the chat right now or leave the show right now. But following this, go over to Foundation mm-hmm. Podcast. All 4,000 of our subscribers. And let's bump that up over there. Uh, Foundation Podcast is where our show will be. Um, yeah. And what's the other thing, Nick? We usually do it on Thursday nights. What's the change coming? So uh, because someone had actually asked this, I think, on Instagram or Facebook. And they had said, oh, my gosh, there's not going to be any more live. We are still staying live. I want to, you know, make that very clear. We are still doing a live podcast uh, for the interview styles that we do. Um, but we are actually we're going to be switching over to Monday nights now. Um, the reason being is because we want this podcast because um, Matt and I feel like we do an incredible job with finding guests for everyone and the interview style podcast that we've done for about a year now. Um, we Matt and I love to do it. And so we want to be that podcast to where right after someone wins a tournament or the MPO division and the FPO division, that's who we want on our podcast. And that's who we want. We want the most relevant names in disc golf. And we want this podcast along with grip locked to just be that next level content. And uh, for people who don't know, the grip locked podcast is with Hunter Thomas and Trevor Staub. And a lot of what they do is just one-on-one. They talk back and forth with each other. The drama, Nick, every week. the drama. Exactly. So here's the funny They're thing. More, we are going to be competing, yeah, no. competing co-host. <laughs> is it okay, yeah. Hunter? And yeah. I and I see Hunter in the chat. I'm assuming it's Hunter. The Foundation Podcast is commenting right now. It's okay if we have friendly rivalries and razz each other between shows, right? Like it's okay. Yeah. I'm I'm I, I'm going to say it's okay. So, <laughs> so um, that being said, they are still keeping their show. So now there will be two shows with great content on Foundation Podcast. So again, thank you. I'm seeing great comments come in. Just it's just it's reassuring that people feel like we have something of value to bring. Um, so go yeah. subscribe over there. Um, I'm trying to think if anything else is really changing in relation to this announcement. Monday evenings, as opposed to yep. Thursday, we will still be live. Um, I knew well, this yeah. would happen. Some people, and I just want to put it out there. <clears throat> Some people are sad about this, mainly because they now aren't going to be able to watch us live because they had Thursdays available and not Mondays. I don't want to say I apologize. I'm sad about that too, but like this is a good move. The show is going to get better because of this move. Straight up. Mm-hmm. Like our show is going to get better. Now, there's a lot of things we could do better and our commenters often will tell us that. <laughs> but we we're, yeah. we're literally going to work to be better. You are going to see improvements um and we hope you appreciate and enjoy them and we and we'd love yeah. for you to go over there and support us the same way you're doing it here. And assuming all yeah, goes well, we'll sign another 10-year contract and we'll make, you know, yeah. another 10 million. So 
one of the uh, one of the biggest things that is going to improve is back in Massachusetts. I think Matt and I had one of the best quality podcasts out there. Oh and snap! Moving down to Virginia, <laughs> yeah, moving down to Virginia, I knew that that was going to be a struggle to kind of keep that same level of quality. And so, fortunately, doing everything with the switch over to now being with Foundation in partnership with them, um, I'm going to be able to set up kind of my own little podcast area. Um, that they use for their podcast. Uh, there's going to be an incredible camera, an incredible microphone, and the best thing about it, there's going to be incredible internet. So you won't see a blurry Nick Carl. You won't hear a laggy Nick Carl. You will actually <laughs> be able to see me as I am Oops. in real life. So that would be great. Uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> for our viewers, yeah. I just brought up a mannequin freeze frame of Jeff Korn. Sorry. Um, yeah, so Nick's going to be in his own studio location, and we're going to try to, yep. again, we're going to try to bring this as high of quality as humanly possible. Now, will it ramp immediately? No, but I think you can see over the course of a year we have gotten better. I think it's going to continue to do that. Stick with us, and uh, we yep. appreciate everybody's support with this. Again, there will be merchandise for sale on Foundation's yeah, I can, website. I cannot wait for that. Yeah. I Nick's, Nick's going to be wearing his own brand. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited for that. Um, it's been an incredible feeling being able to rep sponsors that I've had throughout the years now and, you know, hopefully putting the Nick and Matt show logo on a sweatshirt or a hat or something like that. I've always wanted it, you know, my own personal one. I've wanted the Nick and Matt show logo on the back and then right up here, just write Nick because that's my, it's a one-of-one -one sweatshirt and then have Matt say Matt, whatever, but... Um, I'm, I'm super excited for it. We'll have to so find Monday out nights, the chat, yeah, the chat's Monday suggesting nights. we should be able to find a way if somebody searches Nick and Matt show that it forwards over to, um, foundation podcasts. I think that's going to happen because that's how algorithms yeah. work. Um, our show title will be a part of our, if you want to call it keywords or even the show title. Um, and I'm sure that there's ways to make this happen, whether if it's even forwarding URLs or whatever, we'll look into all that. People are asking if we're still going to be live. The answer is yes. Absolutely. Um, yep. and so we're looking for a launch date right now, everybody. <laughs> March um, I will be traveling. So tonight's Thursday, obviously on Monday I will be in Vegas. And so we've actually decided not to do a show four days apart from each other. So as in not this Monday to launch. <laughs> yeah. We're not doing this Monday. We are actually going to do March 1st um, when I'll be in Arizona. And uh, I'm super excited. So that one, I will be out on the road. But then, let's see, Arizona. The week after that, I'll be in Texas. So we're going to figure out what we're doing for that one. And then the 15th, I'll actually have hopefully everything pretty much set up at the Foundation Podcast Studio. And we'll be able to run with that great quality that everybody's used to seeing. <laughs> I'm laughing over here and our audio listeners, I apologize, don't see it, but I'm really bad with the buttons tonight. And Jeff Corns keeps popping up just on keeps screen popping up. and they're like, he's our body. He, yeah. Our body yeah. They're like, he's there again. Like Jeff Corns just shows yeah. up everywhere. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. So people are asking if that's really Brody Smith in our chat again, I'll say shout out. Thank you, Brody. Thank you. Paul's not in the chat right now, but thank you, Paul. Thank you, Hunter, for seeing the opportunity here to make, our show a part of your great success. And hopefully we saw that we would bring value and hopefully continue to help elevate your uh, platform as well. Thank you very much. Great partnership. We look forward to everything that has yeah. success with this and who knows what else will come. I'm mm -hmm. still like in my own personal life, have things that I'm working on too. Like, so stay tuned. Nick and Matt yeah. show though, doing some awesome. We're hoping things. to get, 
we're hoping to get Matt down here in Virginia for a little <laughs> bit. We're going to do another filming thing. Maybe the Griplock podcast versus the Nick and Macho podcast. You know, we'll figure out. Maybe we'll do another Field Games thing. But uh, we'll figure it out. Everybody, you know, Matt and I, we're still the same. And we're going to keep trying to give you guys the most incredible podcast that, you know, everybody can listen to and so, watch. So, yeah, so. just to close out, we are not on this this Monday. Uh, which for those listening on audio and maybe listening a day or two later than we actually recorded this, not February 22nd. We are looking to go live on Foundation Podcast YouTube channel on March 1st. Now, to be clear, one last time, if you are subscribed as an audio podcast listener, you do not have to change anything. You're going to continue. You won't see any changes. You will see a logo edition of Foundation. But as far as YouTube content goes, uh, check out Foundation Podcast. Um, yep. Nick, do we miss I'm anything? I'm super excited for it, Matt. No, I think, you know, can I reiterate it one last time? Everybody, please like, subscribe, check us out now on the Foundation Podcast YouTube channel. I'm super excited for what the future holds, Matt. Everybody, tell someone you love them this week, and we'll catch you in the next one. Nick, you're awesome. <laughs> All right, back at you, homie. Thanks for tuning in to the Nick and Matt Show. Be sure to check us out on your favorite social platform and subscribe on iTunes.